1: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoHoops when you deposit for a free contest entry today. And the day, of course, is February 3rd, 2016. My name is DJ Trainer, joined as always as I am on Wednesdays by Josh Hayes. How's it going, my good man?
2: Uh, very good. You know what, before we dive into everything, I wanted to really get your quick take on 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 the like um, bird bulging scandal that is out there right now. Okay. I mean, everyone's okay. talking about it. Let me it.
1: just let me be clear that I have
2: no idea what you're about to ask me right now. So let's do it. We'll all find I, out together. Well, I'm just first of all, I'm blown away by your um you, you, by the your ability to uh, stay current with the news or lack thereof. Okay. All right, so I will educate you. Uh, that, that's that's no problem. I'm on my on my part. That's what we're here for. We're teammates. Okay, yes. yes, we are. Um, there is a huge gigantic class action lawsuit that is um, you know bubbling up here uh, uh, against McDonald's and that whether or not they actually put cheese in their mozzarella cheese sticks. So a class action lawsuit. Class action there are in the midst of a huge amount of social media backlash, I'm quoting from this article from eater.com. OK, um, and per their claim, they actually uh, – the sticks are filled with a substance that is composed in part of starch, a quote-unquote violation of federal standards of identity for mozzarella cheese and contrary to con- reasonable consumers' expectations regarding the meaning of the term mozzarella. So if you have like three point seven seven six percent starch up in all up in your mozzarella sticks, that's a problem, bro. All right? That's how you get sued. And some people are saying they actually it were served – Hollow sticks and th- uh, f- over 40 consumers have uh, band together in this class action labs- lawsuit. So, are you one of those 40? Or, where do you stand on this hot button issue? Let me be clear here McDonald's is not a sponsor on this fine podcast.
1: I will say, though, because we're hating what, on what I'm about to say is going to sound like they're a sponsor on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, had the mozzarella sticks, love them. I love them. I, I was actually in the test market for those mozzarella sticks before mm-hmm. they came into natu- national attention. I Very natural was- that
2: you would position yourself that way. Obviously.
1: Yep. Of course. Uh, I'm always in the hot spots of the eateries and the fast food. Um, so at this, I think it was this summer in Overland Park, Kansas is where I found myself living. And uh, I, th- I believe that was a test market. Tried them out. Loved them. So good. So incredibly good. Apparently, you know, you know what my take is, Josh? Hmm. After th- after hearing this, well, hmm. you know what? I guess I like starch. <laughs> okay, it's fair sim- enough. It's as simple as that. It, uh, is,
2: it really is as simple as that. You know uh, what it is? Haters gonna hate, basically, is yes. what it is.
1: Haters you know? gonna hate. That's the motto of this podcast. By the way, you can find this podcast, this NBA basketball podcast by <laughs> RotoWire on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find it on the RotoWire website itself. Feel free to leave a nice review on either of those venues. We certainly would love to have it. I love how you have to clarify that this is actually an NBA podcast. Hey man, you got you so got to start true. out topical. I mean, we're talking uh, presidential election next week, so get ready for that.
2: Yeah, You know what I might just end up voting on whoever sides on the 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 right side of this class option lawsuit <laughs> you know? like if he's if if hillary Clinton's pro like you know um pro starch it, pro starch pro mozzarella sticks, she may have my vote i'm just saying i'm not saying, but i'm saying okay, so well, hey, we
1: need to know hot button issues we need to know their take on that. Yeah. How about some hot-button NBA action from Tuesday? Josh, we had, yes. let me count them up here, five games last night, some pretty entertaining ones. Let's uh, let's just dive right into it if you're new to the podcast. What me and Josh do is we usually just go through the box scores from the previous night. We, you know, we talk about what happened, why it happened, um, but we do kind of pull it out into general larger themes for both DFS consideration and season-long consideration. So without further ado, let's look at the first game of the night, Boston and Celtics take down the New York Knicks 97 to 89. The Celtics are really just a well-oiled machine, but as we've talked about in the past Josh there's not really any one player in particular that you'd love to have on your team off this Boston Celtics teams. I think the top 2 options are Isaiah Thomas and they are Jay Crowder, probably in that order. But if you're looking at other players on this Boston Celtics teams, moving on this Celtics team, moving into the second half of the season, is there anyone that you kind of have your eye on that you might pick up in season-long leagues or you might be targeting in DFS? You
2: know what? What I'm looking for here. I mean, they just have such a weird issue at center. The, the the main problem, actually, in all reality, with this with the center position for or the front court, for that matter, with the Boston Celtics is they have no continuity. They have no one that has like consistent trust from Brad Stevens, and they don't have a an like an existing legitimate shot blocker uh, there as well. You know, if you see like the entire front line, no starter got a block outside of Avery Bradley, and he's the two. So that's an issue. So basically, what we're waiting for right now is for somebody like Robert Parrish. To come out of retirement, <laughs> so we can start playing him in DFS because okay. his price will start out super low. I mean, he'll probably get you know limited minutes, so he can still continue to collect social security. I'm fine with that. It's probably going to be min priced. So, um, but all in all seriousness, yeah, you, you that's the the whole thing. You really can only trust the guards. You can trust Isaiah Thomas. You can trust Avery Bradley. Jay Crowder at the three is you know been uh, consistent minute producer. Really, he's been a little bit nicked up too as well, but still love what he brings to the table. You, if you ever, you ever pick right on Jared Sollinger, Amir Johnson, Alinek uh, or or Zeller, congratulations to you. Because I'll never feel comfortable enough. How, how was I supposed to know that Tyler Zeller was going to double double with sixteen and ten? You know, um, there's just impossible to predict. So I'm just going to stay away from that situation overall. We know what we know with the Boston, and that you can trust trust the the one, the two, and the three, and that's really it. Outside of that, for uh, you know the New York Knicks, this is sort of a a little bit of a letdown for a couple reasons uh, for me, Carmelo Anthony first of all, bricks it up like there's no tomorrow. Um, Did double-double, which sort of salvaged his value a little bit. But then Porzingis, too, is just whenever he, um, uh, you know, you feel like you can trust him on a certain level, he does something like this. Is 10 and 5 with three turnovers, and you just, like, you know, a little bit uninspiring overall if the guy's 7-3 I'm just gonna start really actually holding him to a higher standard in terms of consistent rebounding there's no reason he shouldn't be closer to 10 boards a game if he's gonna get starters well
1: well, here's the thing Josh I mean he floats around the three-point line and yeah. so, um, and on top of that, he's guarding players who can shoot the three as well. So we're talking about him guarding, you know, at points Jared Sellinger, him guarding Kelly Olynyk. Olynyk is always hovering around the three point line. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a stretch four for a stretch four matchup. I mean, do you factor that into consideration? Um, what about his status as a rookie? I mean, he is just a rookie. Do you put either of those two kind of factors into why he may be only had five rebounds or sometimes he just doesn't rebound. What about Robin Lopez He's just kind of cl- grabbing everything there. 13 rebounds last night.
2: Yeah. Robin Lopez had a nice night and he's actually tr- sort of treading upward in terms of minutes in production, but still n- not trustworthy enough Not enough of a ceiling for me to really like him unless it's like, you know, a short, even on a five game slate, I'm not super interested in in that overall. But just just for me, I mean, if he's uh, if we're, we we were talking about you know Porzingis as like an absolute monster here, like you know a month ago or whatever. Now he's 13 and seven, which is fine. But like, I think I can find a better player than that in like in DFS every single time. And if you're in season long, you start him because you probably don't have a better off uh, option on the waiver wire, and you know and um. And he's not playing terrible enough for you to bench him, so there really isn't anything else to like sort of mention uh, out of that group. So. so
1: yeah, so now that we've broken down the box score, let me just add, ask you a broader, gener- more general question. Boston mm-hmm. Celtics have a war chest of picks right now and assets uh, to potentially move. They, of course, they have the Nets picks over the next three years, and they have their own picks, which are probably going to be um, you know middle of the road, uh, middle first round, which aren't bad at all. Do you think that they should make a move this year, or should they stand pat with the Nets' pick?
2: Uh, you know what? I, I, here's the here's the thing though. It's like I think the top of the draft is going to be so top heavy with like top tier talent. I don't. I wouldn't be like surprised if anybody who had a pick, you know, that they could move up to, would doesn't want to come off the pick. You know what I mean? Like those are teams that are going to desperately need top level talent. And so I've never th- seen a situation where a team is like, yeah, we would like to have three non lottery or, you know, picks outside the top 10 to, you know, to fill out your whole. This is what I have. The problem I have with the Boston Celtics strategy is a like they really only need front court help and and maybe one position out of the two, like if they could make some use out of Out of one of those guys, like Jared Saunders just you know book him as a starter or or Linux if you feel like he's the better option, and you know wh- what are you going to do like, with that roster? It's not like they don't have any depth at all. they've got Marcus Smart off the bench and you know David Lee and Onick and Zeller and uh you know they the, who Terry was there, who they drafted Evan Turner, so it's like it's not like they were like, well oh, man, this team is so bereft of talent. this is like a borderline playoff team once again. So what are you going to do with all those picks? I don't know how. Like those, to me, like the back end of the lotter of the of the first round of the draft isn't necessarily great currency overall, unless you can actually turn it into somebody who's going to be a viable rotation player for you, like in a in an actual trade. So, and I don't think anybody like in the in the top three ish or or wherever they end up picking are you know in, will want to come off of a pick higher than what Boston currently holds just for some extra picks. So. Yeah, so.
1: fair enough. I mean, they have some decisions to make right now. If the season were to end today, and the and the odds would come out uh, perfectly, Boston would be getting the Nets pick, which would be the third overall pick in this draft. And then, of course, they'd be slotted for about a you know sixteen, seventeen pick, or or might be a little higher than that. And so, uh, the big decision for Danny Ainge: does he move now and move some of those assets that he has? Because of course, he can swap with the boss or with Brooklyn next year. And then in two years, he has Nets the Nets pick again. So lots of interesting choices to be made out of that organization. Um, we'll find out soon enough. But until then, let's move on to the next game of the night where the Houston Rockets take down the Miami Heat 115-102. to 102. Amari Stodemeyer, starting for Hassan Whiteside, has been doing, you know what, some pretty nice things. He only played 24 minutes last night, but he got a low-end triple-double, or low-end double-double, I should say. 14 points, 10 rebounds with an assist. If you're playing on fantasy, you know, that's about 24 to 26 fantasy points, depending on where you're playing. Um, that's pretty solid, though, considering his price is low. Have you considered Amari Stodemeyer for a low-end DFS play over the last four games when Whiteside has been out with that oblique injury?
2: I played him yesterday, and he uh, made it made the, made my lineup uh, and all the cash games, and I I min cashed the GPPs uh, all, along with him. So he was the, the official cheat code uh, for me because I had some big guys that I wanted. To, uh, you needed to definitely have exposure to James Harden. If you play Kobe Bryant, congratulations to you. You're awesome. Um, yeah, seriously. Wow. Uh, I, I couldn't pull the trigger there, as all but despite the fact that I faded, you know, you know the or didn't have the exposure to the biggest, you know, you know. Uh, player of the of the night in Kobe Bryant. The good news is a lot of people faded him, and um, the reason why I could afford some of the bigger options like I rolled Kyle Lowry and uh, and James Harden into my allowance, was because Amari Stoudemire has been more than serviceable at a very very cheap price. So yes, and I even think like for deeper fourteen team leagues, if you're missing like you know your big man, you have sort of injuries, you can sort of fill in with a, um, a Amari Stoudemire as long as he, as long as he's efficient and getting you know a approaching like a little cheap double-double here in the the short term to sort of hold yourself over so you don't get too far behind in, in games played
1: over the last six games rookie justice winslow is averaging nine nine and a half points and seven and a half rebounds now i have to think that part of that is because Whiteside is out of the lineup and you know the team as a whole is really crashing the boards maybe collectively than they are in the past but Seven and a half rebounds is certainly not something that Winslow can can keep up for the rest of his career. But are you seeing a progression in his game and maybe is it happening because Dwayne Wade is hitting that point in the season where it just makes sense for him to limit his minutes?
2: Um, I think it's possible. You know what though? I'm going to not put too much stock in this situation overall he hasn't given any sort of a of a ceiling um for us to really trust him for like uh, daily streaming or dfs and for season-long leagues like there you could just find somebody who will do one of the two categories that you're looking for better and just make more sense in your lineup uh from uh overall so i haven't really paid too much attention to, to justice winslow the problem is is there's at best He's the, f- the fifth wheel if he even made the lineup over Lewald Deng. He actually would be probably better su- suited in a six-man role to sort of clear some of the starters off the lineup so he can actually have a chance to score the ball. But here's the problem. Hassan Whiteside's in the lineup, are out of the lineup. They still don't have a lot of volume for him because all the shots are going to go Dwayne Wade's way and Chris Bosh's way. If one of those two guys go out, then Goran Dragic, who's been sitting there patiently, is going to start gunning his way. there. So there's just such a long line of people who want shots, who are, who, are, who have been well-established scores you know throughout their career in the nba i just i don't see how you can really have a trustworthy role for justice winslow in season-long dfs or or any of the other spot for that rather it just doesn't do enough and isn't, isn't going to get the, enough volume for me
1: looking across the court at the houston rockets they do sneak out this really good win against the heat um The interesting thing about that, though, is that Howard was out with that suspension and Clint Capella was out with the hip flexor injury, which means that you had Josh Smith effectively playing center. You had Trevor Reza playing uh, power forward and Corey Brewer playing small forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking essentially Harden is the only guy in this lineup that can really score or create his own shots. I I suppose you can argue that Josh Smith does that, but I think he does it by brute force, not necessarily because he has the skills to do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two questions here uh did you use any of those options at like a josh smith or a Corey brewer and then the
2: second thing is how the heck did they beat the miami heat with that starting five uh you know the 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 question the first thing about this is um i did not use josh smith because i hate his game first of all and i think he's a bad shooter but you know if he's going to go three or five from three and shoot eight for 13 from the field in 20 minute one minutes of action then that's always going to be useful. So for, for the short term, if that's one you want to gamble on for season long or DFS, fine. I won't be involved for the most part. I, w- I, I preferred somebody like Trevor Hariza, who didn't have a great game, but I thought would have a much bigger offensive role um, than he did. It turns out that Marcus Thornton was the the guy who ended up picking up um, a, a lot of offense, aside from Josh Smith, with you know, uh, 18 points in the uh, off the bench, and almost all you know damage done from 3-4 or 7 from the three-point line. Uh, five rebounds, three assists. So I never really could have predicted that because he's been super quiet, uh, you know, uh, down b- uh, b- before that. But for me, like, it's really going to just depend on how much of a dirtbag Dwight Howard wants to be. If he wants to be a free <laughs> you significant- better clarify, young man. <laughs> if he wants to continue to get suspended, take days off like like he's on club med and not the Houston Rockets, just never play. Then we're going to have to start thinking about Josh Smith some more in these lineups because he's going to have a significant role. You know, if he's actually going to show up and and not steal a check for you know the first time this season, then then that's going to be a different story. But as long as he's going to you know be super sipping on Haterade and never wanting to play for the the Houston Rockets, um, I think that's going to be a situation where maybe you have to start considering Josh Smith.
1: All right, bigger general question here. Going off of what you just said, let's say that Josh Smith continues to start. Um, you know, after let's just say, for whatever reason, JB Bickerstaff just really kind of guts it up and says, you know what? I, I think that you are kind of what you said, Josh, just like dogging it, clubbed, all those good metaphors you used. And mm-hmm. he starts rolling with Josh Smith. Maybe maybe Howard still starts, but uh, Smith is seeing the majority of minutes. And it comes out, and it turns out that the Rockets are playing better. It just makes sense to have somebody who can stretch the court with Josh Smith, especially when you have such an up-tap office and somebody like James Harden. Does that make Daryl Morey... Say to himself, you know what? Let's get rid of Howard. You know, if we're playing better without him, why even have him on our team when he's still a valuable asset somewhere else? So if that's the case, do you think that the Rockets are willing to move Howard? I think that they actually are willing to move him now, but Howard playing really well last night probably makes it a, that decision a little
2: easier, would you think? Well, here's the problem. Um they should and 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 would be willing to move Howard but the only problem is if they have any aspirations or hopes of winning an NBA championship if they trade Howard it's gone i in my mind like for as much as i hate him and his game and his work ethic and what he provides on the court he he, he is an athletic defensive presence who can score inside and in be like a you know a 20 and 10 guy with with 3 or 4 blocks in a, in a playoff game and you need somebody to be an elite uh, rim rim protector for Houston when you have guards who aren't um, created defending their position. Well, I mean, James Harden is not good. Patrick Beverly is, uh, but uh, Trevor Reese is actually sort of taking a step back. Maybe maybe it's because Dwight Howard has sort of been out of the lineup more often than not, or because they play at a high pace, but you know, by hook or by crook, uh, you've been able to score points against the, the small forward position against Houston Rockets pretty much all season long. So if they do that, you know, you can say signar to them. You know, being a game away from you know playing the the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, it just won't happen if they if they take Dwight Howard off their roster, unless they got somebody ridiculously good back. And I don't I think that what you would get back would be like salary relief and pieces that would make make up a um, a a uh, you know potential good option, not an actual you know, person who'd be like, wow, okay, they might've even upgraded. I don't, I just don't see how that would um, be possible. So that's the list of teams that would actually want to take Dwight Howard on and have a, a need at center are probably in the bottom half of the league and are bereft of NBA talent. So there's the other issue you have.
1: Yeah, that's 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 uh, probably the strongest point you made there, Josh, was at the end in, in saying that the list of teams that want Dwight Howard on their team is dwindling. And at this point, I think you know it's probably just a, just a few teams. Mm-hmm. And so and like you said, on top of that, it's probably not any contenders or you know, uh, I guess it could be some contenders. You would think that would be the only people willing to take on Howard but right now. I will say. In the first seven seasons of Howard's career, he only missed seven regular season games. That certainly is not the case anymore. This is not the Howard of old in terms of being able to stay on the court throughout the regular season. And really just in terms of what he did in general. 2008 was his best year for him when he was just a dominant force. Not only was he intimidating down low, but he was incredibly quick. One of the quickest front court players in the league Certainly not the case anymore. We'll keep it moving on. Uh, I think the Rockets probably have made their bed with Dwight Howard for better or for worse, and so they just need to figure it out. We'll go ahead and look at the Toronto Raptors taking care of business. Business, actually, is what I should say. 104-97 to 97 over the Phoenix Suns. The most interesting part of this game, undoubtedly, is that... Marquise Morris started, played 41 minutes, and put up a monster. And when I say monster, I mean monster stat line: 30 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, a steal, and two blocks. This is what he can do when he's motivated and sees an appropriate amount of minutes. And I think that this is going to this is going to continue to happen. Continue to happen. Excuse me. Um, in that case, are you picking him up everywhere you possibly can? If he hasn't already been snatched up off the waiver wire already?
2: Yeah, I think you need to start taking a look at him um, as a as a viable option overall. You just don't really know how like the situation could play out. But if he's going to be in line for big minutes overall, it's just like anybody else, uh, you know, who's um, you know in the in the mix for um, extended minutes coming off the bench. I, is, I think it might, in some cases, maybe more shallow leagues, it might just sort of be dependent on what stats you need. Uh, f- for your particular team but hey, i like I Tell him.
1: you what about him though he he helps you out across the board three pointers blocks deals assists rebounds everything i mean he, he is the total package
2: yeah he is a, he is a um a little bit of a swiss Army knife so i like the i, I like to play in the, the potential overall the only question for me is like you know do you trust them for the rest of the season i i have i have questions about that what's your thoughts
1: yeah i was talking about this with nick whalen last night when we were watching the games and I, I'm kind of in, of the opinion right now. And, you know, back when they had Jeff Hornacek, it was we got to get this guy out of town. And they, they, you know, DNP'd CD to him so much that mm-hmm. his value got so low that everybody who probably offered the Phoenix Suns to trade was just lowballing them because they knew he had no spot on the team. Now his value is back up. But the thing about that is if he's going to play like this for you every single night, you keep him. Like You don't actually trade him. I think you want him on your team. He's a valuable asset um, for, the, for the team composition they have right now. So I think it's a, just a weird, weird situation where they desperately wanted to get rid of him. But if he's going to play like this, I don't know why you
2: would even consider trading him in all honesty. Well, here's another piece that you have to think about this, OK, is what his contract situation is. And you know how upset he, he that he he was and staying with him. He never wanted to stay with them in the first place. So you take a look at what, he, what you know you have. Here's the here's the thing. You have a, a super Attractive trade piece if he plays himself back into a, a valuable asset because you know he's signed through 2018, 2019 for eight million, which is very reasonable. It's incredibly good. That is R- an incredibly good contract. If he would, yeah, he would make a lot of sense for like Cleveland off the bench as a as a scoring four. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. That's like a, a contract that they could they could swap for somebody like Anderson Verjao, uh, for him and and sort of just like one on one match, uh, make the, make the, make the salary work. I don't think know if they would that would be necessarily what's good for for Phoenix. But to me, if you're gonna blow it up, go ahead and blow the whole thing up um, um as it is already. And if you can get like a a what you think would be a, a good draft pick and, a, and an overall upgrade, go ahead and just empty the clip. You know, especially on a guy like Markeith Morris who's. You know, been a little bit of a, a coach's headache uh, throughout the throughout the his you know time here. Ever since they traded his brother, I think it's maybe a situation that because you have an attractive salary and he, he could be you know rebuilding his value, that if you get a chance to move him for something or for you know a, a pick that could be valuable, then you do it. That's that's my personal opinion because I don't think that they're going to be competitive, you know, with the current roster composition as just right now they're a fringe eight seed.
1: Well wow. I'm not yeah no I'm not talking about this year but if you look at he's on contract for the next 4 years he's making 8 million mm-hmm. and then 8.6 and mm-hmm. then we're talking about the salary cap blowing up if he continues the similar production that he had from last night Per dollar, he might be one of the most valuable players in the league. And I'm I'm not even joking about that. So I just don't think that you have young guys like Devin Booker coming into this team, um, like uh, T.J. Warren. And then you have Bledsoe. You have Knights. I think this team is pretty good when they're completely healthy. And so with Morris back in the mix, Morris hasn't been in the mix all season long. He hasn't been a legitimate contributor to this team. Now that Hornacek is gone, that might have alleviated all the tension that was there in that organization. And I'm just saying, if that was the main source of the tension and Morris feels all right with the organization now, you got to keep him because of that contract and because of how good he is. I I don't know. I will say this. If they do trade him, they're going to get a heck of a lot more than they were for him a month ago. That's for dang sure.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there as well. I just don't know if um, you can sort of, like, really trust in him to be, like, a consistent producer, to not be a coach's uh, headache, to, you know, do something like rebound at more than five rebounds per game, which is... You know, something he's actually struggled to do for a power forward, which is a a hole that I don't like in his game. So I think if you have a chance to move on and upgrade, you you do fine. You already have a a bunch of contracts uh, on the books and Tyson Chandler, Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe that you can't work with. So that fourth piece is very, very valuable. If you could turn it into something else, that would be a better fit for your team, because you can't even even if he comes back and he's an awesome player. They can't win with that team. It can be an 8-seed at best with everyone back healthy, Knight Bledsoe and Markeith Morris along with Tyson Chandler. So I think it might be time to sort of figure out if you can you can do something else that will help your team uh, in the long term because he's got, a, like you said, uh, an attractive contract price.
1: All right, looking at this Toronto Raptors team, we won't spend much time with them because they're pretty much – Steady as she goes in in the long run here. Um, They're the solid number 2 team in the East. I don't really see that changing as the season goes along behind the Cavaliers. I will say last night James Johnson did not play – and so for whatever reason, the Raptors started Norman Powell um, at shooting guard, or rather it was small forward. He only played 15 minutes, and then you had Patrick Patterson, Terrence Ross you've, um, come in and play you know, the true workload of, of that missing piece of Johnson. So if you bit on Powell, unfortunately you got stung because – he didn't come up with any points, but if you're looking at Terrence Ross, 16 points. He's a three-point threat. He was two or five from beyond the arc. Anything you'd like to say about this Toronto team, uh, Josh, at all? I mean, really, it's just a two-headed monster, Lowry and DeRozan. That's where all your value comes from.
2: Yeah, I would think if for some reason you played Norman Powell in DFS or something like that, or you have him on your season-long team, you just got to change your team name to like Pow Chick Pow Wow. You know, that's all <laughs> no, you can say. It's, that's all you can say about the, but, there's yeah. no, there's nothing of value that you can get from him. I just wonder if like his parents were like from the military or something like that. And one of them loved like Norman Schwarzkopf and the other one was like, no, call him pal. We're like, all right, we'll call him Norman Powell.
1: <laughs> and, Funny enough, this was not his season high in minutes, 15. This was his second season high back on November 11th against, well, guess what? Philadelphia. He played 25. Um, So no surprises there. He's a rookie, by the way, 22-year-old rookie out of UCLA. Um, he'll come along nicely, but just not really at a point where anybody, including Dwayne Casey, apparently trusts him with more than about 15 minutes a game if the situation even arises to begin with. A game I kept tabs on last night because I live in Wisconsin. The Portland Trailblazers beat the Milwaukee Bucks 107-95. to 95. I can't get over this, Josh, and I was talking with Nick about it. Javari Parker, his game, his his style, everything about him resembles Derek Williams. And I really just don't see much more upside beyond that. Do you? You know, wow, a lot of people would be mad <laughs> if you said no, that. Hey, but- man. I'm calling out right now. Every time I watch him play, the Bucks have effectively told him not to shoot threes. When he gets the ball, he's always looking to drive. Everybody knows it. He's lackluster on defense. I'm just not seeing a lot of upside from Jabari Parker at this point in his career, and I think that the Bucs are stifling any potential he possibly has because you have Giannis and you have Middleton playing the same position, and I think they've told him not to shoot threes, and so that doesn't help him either.
2: Yeah, this is the problem we have. I've said this over and over. It's a bad fit for this team. Once they signed Greg Monroe, all the offensive, you know, potential shot and value that they sort of when they drafted him, they thought that okay, this is going to be this could be our primary scorer. All of a sudden, they sign Greg Monroe. Chris Milton blows up out of nowhere. You got Attento going up, up to the next level there, and you have nobody who wants to do the dirty work on this team. So, you know, aside from John Henson, who does his job very well, and they don't want to start him. They want to play him, whatever, 15 to 20 minutes, which is, you know, their prerogative, obviously. So as long as they want to keep playing pieces that don't fit, we're going to keep complaining about how Jabari Parker, you know, oh, doesn't score enough, oh, doesn't look like the number two pick in the draft, that was worth it. <laughs> you know, you they would actually, you know, if – I would – this might be weird to say, but it actually might be like a smart, beneficial thing for both teams to like trade Jabari Parker for Nerlens Noel.
1: That's what if I've them. been saying forever. Thank you for bringing that up. I completely, completely agree. Yes. I've been saying that for months now.
2: Because Philly has no, like, I mean, they're not playing defense anyway, even though Nirvana's well does play defense. Yes. And they are, they're completely devoid of offense. They are like, man, I hope Nick Scalzo scores more than five points today at the shooting yes. guard position. I completely, oh. wow. I
1: love you right now. I love you in this moment. That is, I've literally been saying this over and over. Not even on this podcast necessarily, but just yeah. it makes too much sense. And Philadelphia is a perfect candidate. Like they need upside guys who you know maybe you know aren't panning out. Like they got Stauskas for a reason because he still has that glitter in that upside, but he hasn't panned out. Uh, they need small forward help, all that good stuff. I will say one thing about last night's game. We can I can get off my soapbox. There was a perfect. There was a perfect representation of Jabari Parker um, where uh, al Aminu got the ball, and he had him one-on-one and could have drove to the hoop, but Aminu's not really that great on offense. So Jabari Parker kind of stumbled around, stumbled into a steal, and he took it end-to-end for a vicious jam. If it was anybody better than Alfa Okaminu, Parker would have made gotten look or would have looked silly. Uh, but in turn, he lucked into a steal, and of course, he took it all the way for a jam. So, uh, people are still in denial. But I don't know, man. I just don't know. I just don't think the situation works out well for Jabari. I'm not necessarily saying it's him in particular, but for whatever reason, like you said on this Bucks team, I'm just not digging it too much. Looking at this Trailblazers team, though. Um, I think I've asked you this before, but if you're going to exclude McCollum and Lillard, who are you looking at for fantasy consideration on this Trailblazers team?
2: Uh, um, can I say, like, Clyde Drexler? Yeah, uh, I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was
1: waiting for you to say nobody.
2: Uh, Kevin Duckworth, maybe. I mean, I would even take, like, uh, Uncle Cliffy uh, at this point. <laughs> Uh, so like yeah, it's just not looking great if you don't have exposure to CJ McCollum or or Damon Lillard. I don't, I don't want to play the game with it's it's just the Boston Celtics part. Do West Coast Boston Celtics? You hate their front court. Everyone plays twenty minutes. No one's super valuable. And if you don't own the guards, then you don't you don't care. It's the exact same situation as Boston. Exact.
1: I agree. I completely agree there. Um, anything you'd like to say about this box score in general, or should we move on to the last? game of the night which i'm not excited to talk about
2: <laughs> no i think we yeah we think we have sufficiently this was a pretty exciting game believe it or not i don't know if you were probably maybe you tucked into bed and uh, like
1: yeah i was uh doing some other stuff at this time of night i would just say um timberwolves losing to the lakers 119 to 115 i know it did end up being an interesting game just didn't mm-hmm. get the juices going for me if you know what i mean um just a couple teams that start. I mean, two of the worst teams in the NBA. Let's just be clear here. Two of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. It ended up being pretty interesting. You saw Andrew Wiggins score 30 points. Zach Levine comes off the bench for 14. You've heard me and Josh go on and on and on about how Levine should be starting. But young Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I said young Kobe Bryant. 38 points. 10 and 21 from the field. 7 of 11 from beyond the arc. 11 of 12 from the charity stripe. Win. Can we expect to see these type of performances from Kobe Bryant? Is there some? Is there when? When can we, you know, kind of project that twinkle in his eye to happen? Is is there I, any I
2: doing that whatsoever? I don't see how because he's questionable for every single game. First, first of all, you have to know if he's actually going to play in the lineup, and you need like DraftKings late lineup swap. Um, if you are going to risk putting him in your lineup, because you almost I've never heard them say, "Oh, Kobe's definitely playing," and for so long. You know, and, you know, they play half their games out there on the West Coast and even more so with some of the road matchups that they will have against, you know, Sacramento, Golden State, uh, you know, Utah and and all the Texas teams. So it's just going to be very tough. You're almost never going to know right at, like, you know, 7 p.m. East Coast time if you want Kobe Bryant in your lap to start with. Second of all, he hasn't been very good. You know, I mean, he's just it, it all for Kobe Bryant. He gets nothing at the rim. Absolutely nothing at the rim. So. Uh, You know, if he's not hitting those outside jumpers, good luck deriving fancy value. He's going to be bricking it up like there's no tomorrow. Can't put he can't dribble off. uh, You can go off the dribble anymore. He'll occasionally throw a layup in there or or dunk. You're like, whoa, you know. Um, But aside from that, I'm just I I haven't played him in forever. I don't even know when I will play him. I just he's so untrustworthy for me. I will
1: say, uh, DraftKings and Kobe Bryant really mesh well together because, as you know, if you've played DraftKings, you do have that late lineup lock. So you're only locking in players once their game starts. But if you have, like you know, like Kobe Bryant, he plays on the West Coast, if he doesn't end up playing, you can quickly take him out of your lineup. Of course, you're going to be only reserved to the players who haven't started their games yet, but that's one of the nice things about DraftKings. Um, and before we move into some breaking news for coming up Wednesday here, Josh, I do want to say that you two can be a Part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com. If you don't like the minutia of playing season-long leagues, of tinkering with your lineups, feel free to jump on over to DraftKings and use promo code ROTOHOOPS, R-O-T-O-H-O-O-P-S, and play for free um, with your first free entry. Um, DraftKings, the official partner of ROTOWIRE.com. Again, that's promo code ROTOHOOPS at DraftKings.com. Uh, Sorry to cut you off. Did you want to talk about anything else in this box score before we go over a few pieces of breaking news? And yeah, we'll be talking about the Kangs. Um, yeah, I was listening to figure out how we're going to work that in since they didn't yeah. play yesterday. Now, so. Hey, d- you know I got you. You know that the Wednesday Road to Wire podcast is all about the Kangs. So That's right. without further ado, uh, they do play tonight. They're playing against the Bulls, which is a really interesting lineup uh, or interesting matchup, clash of styles, slow versus fast. Um, but Rajon Rondo, with that toe, he participated in Wednesday's shoot-around but is still questionable for Wednesday's game versus the Bulls. Now, before we go on, I will say Ben McLemore, also is questionable Demarcus cousins with that ankle injury he did participate in wednesday's morning shoot around but remains questionable for the game against the bulls given that updated information josh here at about two o'clock central time uh what do you think uh going ahead into this game
2: yeah you know what for me i um darren Collison is going to be a mac exposure guy if rajon Ronald gets rolled out with the turf tote that's my first thought second thought for me too is um Pagasol is a a decent defender. I don't feel like I'm scared of him at the center position. And the way that DeMarcus Cousins plays, you know, when he's right and when he's going, he can be matchup proof. And you don't really have to worry too much about like um, him being like a, a worse version of himself due to injury. You really don't have to worry about if he's you know does something like plays overtime in a back to back game. You know, in terms of like uh, fancy value overall. So, if you at least say for cash games, for me, if you want to play him, uh, against Chicago Bulls, who have had their fair share. Of like you know uh, letdowns in in games that were supposed to be competitive to me, I think it's actually sort of telling uh, that you know you, t- you take a look at uh, you know the Chicago Bulls overall they're never you know like this is the team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals and they're underdogs to the Sacramento Kings and we don't even have the official news on on DeMarcus Cousins that they're a point and half favorite overall right now with you know, w- with potentially DeMarcus Cousins out of the lineup, so you know that's that's an issue uh, overall for them. And, you know, and this is them traveling on the road. I just don't think this is the roster that Fred Hoiberg wants to play, uh, with short term and long term. I know he's endorsed and said, Oh yeah, we're good. That just sounds like coach speak to me. And he was the hand picked guy, um, uh, for, you know, for the Chicago Bulls front office. But if you remember what he did in his, you know, during, with his college teams out there, in, um, was it Iowa state?
1: Yep. Iowa um, but, state. They called yeah, him the mayor.
2: He, right, the, yeah, the mayor he ran them he ran teams out of the gym, and he has nothing close to that personnel uh as a teams you know i mean butler and d rose can play that way d rose could play that way like much better like three years ago minus you know the seven knee surgeries that he's had but you know paul Gasol's not a great fit for that offense meritage is not a great fit for that offense taj gibson is not a great fit for that option those are the guys who are getting major minutes for for that team right now so i just don't really feel comfortable with how it's all shaking out for chicago and this is which is why i have no problem rolling to marcus cousins if he's starting uh today in this matchup uh at home so yeah. Great breakdown, Josh. Yeah.
1: Uh, as always, you always give us a very thorough, but very insightful, and I'm, and I'm not even flattering you. I, I completely agree with most things you say. You usually stay very level-headed about Sacramento, and I appreciate that, because I don't. I don't say level-headed about the Bucks or the Thunder, my two favorite teams. Hey, everybody's got a favorite team out there, right? If you like NBA, you grew up having a favorite team. Um, if I say anything about OKC or Milwaukee, usually I'm actually more critical than I should be, uh, but anyways... Um, Josh, we still got some time here. What I want to do is I'm looking at Rotowire's projected lineups, NBA lineups on the website, and of course, you can check this out as well. You can get free 10 days access to the website. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. That's forward slash p o d, as in podcast. And you can check this out um, to see some of the starters that are a bit peculiar. And I know we didn't go over this pre-show, so I apologize. But you know what? You're an expert. You can do this. Uh, I just want to pick out some potential value plays. We won't go over the numbers necessarily on DraftKings. But just your thoughts overall on some of the peculiar starters tonight since we have an 11-game slate. So – you texted me last week about this one, and he has been performing incredibly well. Miles Turner starting alongside Jordan Hill. Now you'd think, you know, maybe one or the other would be a good option, but both of them have been performing really well going up against that Brooklyn offense or defense, I should say. Uh, what do you think about Turner and Hill?
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm. Uh, I liked Miles Turner because I think, uh, like the very skill set that he brings to the table can play for. Uh, a number of reasons, because he can score inside and outside. He's a decent rebounder and he's a willing shot blocker. I don't know if you saw that highlight block that he had where he pinned James at the rim. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. He had such a good game against uh, yeah. Cleveland. He plays like his hair is on fire and it actually does look like he his, <laughs> his hair has been electrocuted. So it matches perfectly with his game, which is what I love about him. So there's that. Just Jordan Hill uh, on his side. I just not enough trust. Uh, for me to like every time I feel like I think you can probably book him for ten rebounds if he starts over. Uh, uh, but for for me personally, I just don't know if there's enough of an offensive role. I think there's going to be some like debt that needs to be repaid with Paul George scuffling over the past few games, and he also did the the patented complaint about how my roles changed. You know, so you know what's happening here: forty shots for Paul George is coming.
1: (laughs) I will say, yeah, I will say Jan Mahimi has already been ruled out um, for Wednesday's game. So you do think that Jordan Hill has got to see a lot of minutes. He's Hmm. someone that I've probably been too high. Uh, My preseason rankings, I was probably a bit too high on him uh, just because I didn't think Jan Mahimi would be that good or Miles Turner would get any action. But I will say, whenever Jordan Hill sees at least 25 minutes on the court, he, he can definitely put up a low double-double. The problem is will he see 25 minutes around the court, and I think he will tonight. Um, the Paul George thing is so funny because he's always wanted to play small forward, started out the season at power forward. Now that Miles Turner has come on and done really well, he's playing power forward. Paul George is back to playing small forward. You'd think that, oh, man, what a relief. Paul George, you're back to the position you love to play. No, just kind of complaining because I like to complain about everything. <laughs> um, anyways, let's move on here. Charlotte Hornets, uh, Josh, is the next team we'll look at. There's two particular players. I went on our Rotowire's XM show today, and I really liked and talked up Jeremy Lin tonight uh, because Kemba Walker is out and Nick Batum is still considered questionable. I think it's entirely possible for Jeremy Lin to play all 48 minutes tonight if Batum is ultimately ruled out. We've seen that in the past. Lin just kind of clogs up the hole. They don't even worry about it. He'll be playing it power or he'll be playing point guard most likely with pj harrison potentially playing shooting guard and the thing i like about it cleveland actually isn't that great at at defending guards they're actually middle of the road um because you know their guard defenders aren't as good as their front court defenders and so Jeremy Lin is someone I like tonight. Someone I'm actually going to stay away from, though, is Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. I know he's had two very good games since coming back from that shoulder injury, but he's going to be guarding LeBron James. LeBron James will likely be guarding him. I just don't like the matchup. Um, At some point, his production has to stop. He's not a great shooter, and so he has to drive to the hole to get points. He's not going to be able to drive on LeBron James. So what do you think about my breakdown of the Charlotte Hornets tonight facing the Cleveland Cavaliers?
2: I think it's uh, – first of all, it is a great breakdown, and I love Jeremy Lin um, in, in the spot. It's you know it's, He plays 30 minutes. I think he's going to get a high level of usage, especially if Batum gets ruled out. I think he was questionable last time I checked. I don't know if you have an update on that.
1: Yeah, he's still but, questionable. After shoot-around, right. he's still considered yeah. questionable. So that what that means is 50-50.
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm the, either way, it looks like you're going to get a good amount of exposure. And Jeremy Lin's a, a type of guy who can score, has a decent outside uh, shot, not a not a lockdown uh, three point shot, but you know uh, is active on the defensive end. Ha- it does have the opportunity to, to get double digit assists uh, on, on this team. Yeah, and the, I think the X factor comes in if he, d- whether or not he goes with the spike or the nerdy, um, you know, sweep back with the hair, in terms, because like if he goes with the spike, he's less aerodynamic and gotcha. probably will have more trouble getting to the hole um but if he does the smart thing and slicks it back then he's you know probably adds two two cents two tenths off of his 40 time and has the ability to blow by defenders so yeah
1: all right two more things i want to uh focus on here um that are kind of peculiar for the starting fives again on RotoWire's daily lineups page for nba uh bryce DeJean jones or bryce jones as he's noted on some dfs sites sites probably going to start at shooting guard he has been the base minimum price um, on, on, on most sides, and I think DraftKings as well, although I wouldn't be surprised if he's bumped up a little bit. Over the last three games, he's averaged 32 minutes on the court. He's not scoring abundantly well, but he's coming around. He's f- seeing a lot of time on the court for such a good price. Have you used him over the last three games, and will you use him tonight?
2: uh you know what that's a good question for for me i've only used him as a particular punt play but because wednesday has such a much larger split i don't really feel like i need to take a chance on him with the exception of gpps so i'm fading him overall i, I decided to go um i like I, I i built my lineup two ways i said all right i might for at least cash games when I'm gonna, I'm gonna rock um demarcus cousins in there with darren Collison, and it, you know if phrase rondo is out which you know is possible with the turf toe, and if i have to pivot off of that and for some reason Cousins sits then i'm rolling rudy gay into the who had a monster game against Milwaukee uh, there two days ago uh, there as well, and then you I can decide if you know Carlson's playing or or not because Carlson presents a very nice value option uh, for today's lineups there. But you know there's some other good uh, you know guys that we you also have to consider that I think are a little bit more trustworthy than somebody on a 10 day contract like um, Bryce sazan Jones. You know for example uh, we've got um, uh, I believe. Uh, Phoenix is playing tonight. Am I correct? Am I? Am oh, I not correct? Uh,
1: incorrect, sir. They Okay. Played last night. I, I will.
2: I will officially scrap that. Okay. Um, we twenty two teams. About- it's a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would uh, prefer somebody, um, a little bit cheaper off this, like JJ Berea. Um, who's going oh, to be yes. starting? Oh yes,
1: that is that. That's one I overlooked, and you are completely right about that. So Darren Williams is out, Devin Harris is out. You have to uh-huh. think Berea and Raymond Felton, and Felton will share time, but the, uh, I like I like Berea way more.
2: Do you? I do like Berea way more. I think he's a better scorer and uh, and a better player overall than Raymond Felton. So, and um, yeah, that's that. That's how I'm um, sort of uh, looking at that uh, overall too. And uh, and I think uh, another guy that we can sort of uh, make a case for there is Gorky Jang. Uh, who's been getting starters' minutes or you know close to at the power forward position uh, for Minnesota? He's been super valuable uh, and you know uh, still underpriced as and you know a guy who can actually hit the three at the power forward, a guy who um, is is a willing rebounder and a good free throw shooter. So I, I like his game. I think he's a little bit underrated and the, and the stock is sort of forging upward on this. So those are the couple guys that I'm looking to get exposure to rather than uh, Bryce John Jones.
1: Yeah, great breakdown. I will say over the last three game. Jang is averaging 38 minutes on the court. Let me say that one more time. 38 minutes on the court, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, a flat steal, .3 blocks. Uh, you said, again, he can shoot the three. He hasn't made any um and dating back to December 30th, but that's still part of his game. Of course, on DraftKings you get that added three point bonus. Um, so if he knocks down one or two, that's all the more valuable value right there. Last guy, we'll talk about Josh, and then we'll wrap things up here. Amari Stoudemire. I think people are starting to look at him because Hassan side, like I said, is out with that oblique injury. Over his last, let's do. Uh, Over his last five games here, he's averaging 23 minutes on the court, almost a double-double, 10 points, 9 rebounds, uh, 1.2 steals, and almost a full block. In terms of his price on DraftKings or other sites, he's going to be valuable where a low double-double and a couple assists is going to be worth the price. Are you afraid of him tonight, however,
2: because he's coming off, uh, he's on the second leg of a
1: back-to-back?
2: Uh, not, a, not too much because, uh, he, he's not a guy that's like playing super heavy minutes. I mean, he's getting like starter ish, uh, minutes over the past couple of games, but like, he's not a guy that you have to, um, like, like we're like, Oh, this is this 46 game playing 30 minutes or something like that. The guy was collecting dust and splinters on the <laughs> bench here forever. You know? So I was like, if he can, he can't survive playing two games, you know, um, after, you know, it's basically. Uh, being a towel waiver all season long then uh, I mean, there's definitely a serious problem for him overall but you know but it's been reasonable it's like 23 21 23 22 25 minutes over the past four games so yeah and then none of those well you know and two of those were we're we're back to back but you know uh, if you're going this route you almost have no ch- like like no chance to get burned if he has a bad game he only costs you what 42 4300 whatever the yeah, price is something real, real it, real cheap yeah super super affordable overall so like you know this decent chance to pay off the price tag and if he throws up a dud he he's not going to be the guy that kills your lineup yeah
1: great way to look at it josh really appreciate that point of view that's going to do it for us here on the wednesday rotowire fantasy basketball podcast we broke down tuesday's action looked ahead to wednesday hope you'd enjoy hope you enjoyed it uh thursday tomorrow nick whalen and james anderson will be with you but that's it for me and josh hayes thank you
2: Thanks for listening. Ace
1: is a
2: place
0: with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand